0: Uh, in some ways this uh, has been so key for me this journeying through some of this stuff I um, have enjoyed it and been frightened by it in equal measure uh, so uh, three, Amy was here last week speaking David was on the week before and uh, and I was on the week before that. And if you do remember, uh, I I started off la- uh, three Sundays ago by by talking about self denial. Um, we we love we are more comfortable. If we're being really honest, we are more comfortable with with uh, the the self fulfilment preaches. We enjoy them. That we like. We're we're more comfortable. We prefer the self-fulfillment preaches. Um, We're more comfortable with self-fulfillment than we are with self-denial. I don't think it's unfair to say that for for any of us in the room. But we actually looked at Mark chapter 8, uh, verse around 34, 35, 36, and, and, uh, and, and seeing that Jesus' approach was completely different. If you want to follow me, it's going to be denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following me. He goes on then to say, whoever wants to save his life, you're going to have to lose it. And we, we started off three weeks ago by saying, well, if you, if you want self-fulfillment, well, the way to self-fulfillment is self-denial. Self-denial, it turns out, is actually the way, the only thing that will lead to self-fulfillment according to Jesus. And uh, so if you don't want to take my word for it, if you don't like me saying that, you, you can take it up with Jesus. That's what he said. If you want to know self-fulfillment, the only thing that's going to lead to it is self-denial. We finished off our time a few weeks ago looking at John chapter 6. And it feels like it's, it's came out in some of the songs that we've sang. It feels like it's come out in some of the things that Neville even introduced. But Jesus was uh, going into John 12, the verses that he read. But John chapter six verse fifteen we, we see that the the people gathered round Jesus, the same the seen what he was doing, the scene his miracles, the scene his teaching, and they came and they tried to take him. They tried to they take him as king by force. And all along we see right throughout the gospels that was never the way of Jesus. He was never going to be taken as king by force. The only way he would he would take he would come as king would be through surrender. It's a completely different understanding. It's a completely different way of thinking. He was a different kind of king. And this was a different kind of kingdom. And so as we continue to read, as we continue to, to be inspired by, by ultimately Jesus is, is the one that, that, that reveals a life of beautiful surrender. Shows us how surrender is in fact beautiful. And so we see how Jesus dealt with We see how Jesus dealt with the outcasts. We see how he dealt with the rejected. Completely different. He's a different kind of king. This was a different kind of kingdom that he was that he was coming to say it's at hand. This kingdom is at hand. It's different from what you've ever would have thought it would have been. Your expectations of it are about to be completely shattered. We see it in his teaching. We see it especially in the Sermon on the Mount. All of these things begin to reveal enough clues that this is a different kind of king. This is a different kind of kingdom. And so for us, we live on the other side of the cross, and so we can't be too harsh on the disciples. But the closer it got to the cross, the clearer it seems to us. The disciples hadn't yet get it, hadn't yet hadn't yet got it, but it was seen clear. To us it seems clear the closer that Jesus got to the cross that he is not the Messiah that everybody expected, that the disciples expected. And even the verses that Neville read in John twelve, they still they still had not got it. Cause here was Jesus. Here was this the one that they had been longing for, this one that they thought was going to bring the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. They thought it was gonna this this is how it was gonna be through this man and Jesus he, You think that he's going to come riding in on a stallion. He's going to come riding in on a big horse. But Jesus is a different kind of king. This is a different kind of kingdom. And Jesus uh, gently rides in on a little donkey. And we're told actually in John 12 verse 16, the disciples didn't understand this. The disciples didn't get it. We're told that the disciples, they didn't even know what was going on until he had been glorified. Until he had went... Have been ascended, it's only then that they realized all that was going on. And so even today, as we think of Palm Sunday, the disciples still were wrestling with this. They still hadn't grasped that this truly was a different kind of king, that this truly was a different kind of kingdom. And so last week, I think what Amy shared with us last week was a really good word. For me, it actually felt for some of us it was a real, more than just a good word. It was a timely word. And we talked uh, Amy shared with us about this surrendering of control. She talked about how what we do in reality does not match our expectation so there's a wee bit of where we've been not nowhere near enough of a summary but uh for those that haven't been here we don't normally we don't normally promote our our uh, podcasts or whatever you call them but we would encourage you that if you want to follow through with this series that you would that you would take advantage of of uh, of those being available. Can I pray, and then we go share some things that I feel like God really stirred my heart with this week, Father. Thank you for uh, thank you for the words that we sang. Thank you for uh, thank you for a sense of your presence as we as we prayed and and uh, encouraged by Andre and by Daria your sense, your presence even among in that time and um, and Jesus we're just uh, thanking you that who we are in you, we're thanking you that in Christ alone our hope is found thanking you that there's nowhere else that we can turn, there's nothing there's no other place that we can find hope and joy and peace and, uh, and so we come before you acknowledging that and Jesus would you uh, teach us Holy Spirit would you just would you just magnify the person of Jesus among us this morning thank you that's what you came to do and so would you make Jesus massive for us or it's it's all that we would see today it's all that we would hear all that we would be respond to would be because of we've seen we've glimpsed something of Jesus we we offer this time to you we pray that you would come and just be so present among us. In Jesus' name. Um, this week we'll see the 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 completion of the second year of the mission school up at the castle. Um it's been a real joy for me, I've really I've Really, counted a privilege to be able to serve these guys, or serve alongside them, and worship together, and learn together, and grow together. It's it's a it's a really it's a really big deal for me, and I've really enjoyed it. One of the people that we brought in uh, every Tuesday, we we not every Tuesday, but some Tuesdays we brought in some people outside of the of of drop-in ministries, just to be able to share about their ministry and. And how God has used them and lessons that they've uh, lessons that they've learned and things that they can share with with our guys um one of the weeks we had uh, Janice Barr and Janice was here Janice was here in church maybe over a year ago and shared about shared with her husband about the ministry of Sh- uh, Charlene's project as the name of their charity and they uh, and they work with thousands of been a blessing to thousands of school kids uh, right across Africa and now into South America. And so Janice came and shared her story. She came and talked about her daughter Charlene, who at the age of 20 had had uh, had passed away, and then went on to share a wee bit about her legacy. And and I've heard Janice speak a few times about. About how Shirley's project was birthed, when it was birthed, and 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 all of that, I've, I've read the book, and been so blessed by by their ministry and their friendship. And I take us off. This is and um. But I felt like there's part of her story that I heard for the first time when she shared with the, with the with the students a number of weeks back, and it was actually this moment when when actually, when it was um, when Charlene's project was actually uh, came into being. I suppose, um, and it was it was an act of surrender. It was an abandoning of self for Charlene. That something. Beautiful happened. There's something significant came into being, and uh, this night, Charlene had been told that she didn't have very long to live, and the family all gathered round at, at Nando's for dinner. You can imagine a very somber mood, and uh, and they've told this story, and and it's in the book, and all of that. But Charlene had her head on the on the table, and everybody was emotional. This was a it was a really painful moment for the family. Charlene lifts her head and says, "Well, if I'm not going to be able to go to school, then I'm going to make sure that 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 others can." And so, for me, I just this just this beautiful moment when the ministry of Charlene's project was birthed, that she's left in this position: either you continue to fight for self, or you give yourself away for the sake of others. And it was in that moment that Charlene decided that that was the time that she had left. she was going to deny herself she was going to forget about herself, and she was going to do all that she could so that kids in Uganda and right across Guatemala could have an education could have shoes in their feet to stop them getting infected, getting them getting little bugs in their feet, which causes them to lose their feet, lose their toes, and now they' are able to send thousands of pairs of shoes. All because I believe one night this girl decided that she was going to abandon self. Completely deny her own well-being for the sake of others. If I can't go to school, I'm going to make sure that others can. And in a moment of beautiful surrender, something was birthed that has went on to impact the lives of thousands. As I begin to think of stories like like Charlene's, as I think of others that that we've in in ministries, I've had the privilege of, um, of of partnering with. As we read stories of, of of the heroes of faith in the Bible, and right throughout, as we even think of our ultimate example, even in the person of Jesus, we we don't often think of surrender as something beautiful. We don't often think of surrender, submission, as something strong, as something positive, as something wonderful. I wonder if some of us in this room have just found it really hard to embrace a series where we're talking about surrender, where we're we're really after a a promotion of lives uh, that are just going to totally submit and surrender. It's just not popular. Because I think we've, we've assumed that it's a sign of weakness when we, when we surrender. It's a sign of weakness when we have to submit. But Jesus reveals ultimately, and we'll go there in greater depth and greater detail next week. But Jesus reveals the most beautiful, wonderful act of wo- surrender. What looks, what looks ugly, what looks pathetic, what looks weak is actually the most beautiful strong, momentous occasion that any of us will ever hear about or ever know or ever even experience. We think it's weakness as we read through the teaching of Jesus, the way of Jesus. We, there's something in us that it just jars with us. We wrestle with it because we think it's weakness to let someone away with bad behavior. And Jesus is saying, well, you're not to retaliate to your enemy, you're to, actually you're to bless them. You're actually to pray for those who persecute you. You're going to follow the way of Jesus. You're going to have to live a life of, of surrender. You're going to have to submit everything. You're going to have to, you're to, have to surrender uh, the right to retaliate. And, and Paul follows this on in, in, in Romans right the way through his letters. He's telling us you're, you're faced with evil. Well, this is how you overcome evil. You overcome evil with good. Bless those that have done you wrong. Turn the other cheek. Somebody asks for a bit of clothing, we'll give them that, but another bit. Someone asks you to come with a mile, we'll do that, but go another mile. It seems to jar with us. We think it's a sign of weakness when we surrender. A sign of weakness when we submit. I want to share really briefly about it deserves more. It deserves more airtime. I think Neville started off this whole series with looking at the person, the character, the incredible testimony of Jim Elliot, and uh, Jim Elliot, the most well-known of the of the man that went to bring the the message of the gospel to the the Hi- Hireni tribe, tribe, middle hash of that, the Hireni tribe. I'm just going to keep going with Hireni, It's probably not right. The Hireni tribe in Africa. Jim Elliot and a few of his few of his friends uh, become really well known. Jim Elliot become really well known. His wife, incredibly well known. But one of the people that was uh, one of the people that was also part of that team was a guy called Nate Saint. Nate Saint uh, was part of that team that flew and flew over Ecuador, flew over this tribes and began to set set gifts, send gifts down to this tribe as a sign of peace, as a sign of we are we come to do you no harm. And they kept on sending these gifts and on the 3rd of January they finally made contact. They landed and they came face to face with this tribe. And initially all seemed really well. But as many of you will already know, four or five days later this tribe spared to death every one of these men that had come to bring gifts and come to bring the good news of Jesus and an incredibly sad story. Nate Saint uh, at the time when this happened 1958-59 um, Nate Saint's son Steve was five. At the same time as his Nate's uh, sister Rachel who would have been Steve's auntie she she uh, she obviously heard about what had happened and she gave the rest of her life to to pursuing what her brother had gave his life for and continued to go and try and bring the message of Jesus to this Harani tribe and uh, and that's just why it needs more time because I'm stepping right through the story to, to say that at the age of 14 uh, Steve Nate's uh, Nate's son um, was baptized in this part of the world, in Ecuador. And he was baptized by a man called Minkai. Minkai. Minkai was the man that had put the spear through the body of his dad. Minkai was the man that had killed Steve Saint's dad. And at the age of 14, after receiving Jesus as his savior and wanting to be baptized in the place where his dad gave his life, was baptized by Minkai. Minkai, because of the ministry of uh, Nate's sister, Rachel, that gave his life to Jesus along with everybody else in that tribe. And a number of years later, Steve came and uh, was baptized by the man who killed his dad. And he, he went on to have a wife, he went on to have children, and went, brought his family to live with the Harani tribe in Ecuador. And actually, over and over again, any time I've heard him give an interview, or any time I've heard any report come from Steve Saint, he always says, I cannot imagine, I cannot I can't imagine not loving Minkai. I can't imagine not loving this man because he adopted me as his own. I didn't have a dad. Minkai had taken the life of his dad. And I can't imagine not loving him because he adopted me as his own. Okay, I find that incredible. He's completely surrendered the right to retaliate he completely surrendered the right to respond in the flesh, and they, he continues to face criticism. They they faced a lot of criticism and a lot of criticism from the church, because the church just even the church didn't understand it. They didn't get it. They thought it was a sign of 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 incredible weakness, incredible naivety. They thought it was allowing yourself to become a doormat for people to walk on. And Nate Saint and his family had surrendered the right to retaliate and continued on the legacy and the desire, the dream of their father and their brother, Nate. See, I I think for me, this is... I think we've been so conditioned. We've been so conditioned to choose the heroic over the saintly. Conditioned to choose the heroic over the saintly. We want to be the heroes. We don't really want to be the saints. A few times over the last number of weeks, we've mentioned about the Hebrides revival. And uh, and if I was asking to be really honest, like for some of us, we want to be the We want to be the Duncan Campbell. We want to be the one that stands at the front, gives the message that causes all these people to come and respond to the message of Jesus. We want to be those people that maybe you're not at the front, but maybe you're at the front row, you're at the front two or three rows where you're part of all of this, this incredible uh, picture of revival. We're conditioned to want that. We're conditioned to want to be part of that. We're not conditioned to want to be the 82-year-old and the 84-year-old woman who will just surrender time, energy, everything. Surrender the glory, surrender the, the popularity to get down on your knees two or three times a week, right through the midnight hour, right into the early hours of the morning, crying out to Jesus that he would come and, and meet with the people of their island. See, so we're so conditioned to want the heroic and we're not as conditioned to long to want to be saints. See, the the the, you've read enough books, I'm sure, and you've watched enough movies, to know that uh, like we, I love, like there's, there's there's some movies that present the he, present heroes, and I love them. Don't hear me trying to be condemning the hero, but the goal, the hero, the goal is self-fulfillment. The goal is recognition. For the saint, it's completely different. For the saint, it's 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 the the meaning of life is love. For the saint, the goal is always love. And so people, I think, as I read through the story of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as I read through what, how people understood Jesus, what they thought of him, even the disciples, I think they thought Jesus was going to be the hero. They thought he was going to be the hero. They were so conditioned to believe, that they were so conditioned to long for the hero and they missed that it was going to come completely different. It was going to be one who was going to come and, and the meaning of, him, of his coming, the meaning of his life was going to be love. The goal was going to be love. The goal was going to be forgiveness. The goal was going to be setting people free. The goal was going to be to come alongside sinners and to show them a better way. He was... People thought that he was going to make following God the, the powerful. They thought that he was going to come and, and make following God popular. Thought he was going to come and make following God uh, successful. And maybe for some of us, I think even as Amy shared last week about, about disappointments, I think for some of us, maybe disappointments have come from just re- really bad theology. We've come to to following God, thinking that well this is we're coming to follow this hero who was going to make he was going to defeat his enemies, he was going to slay them all like we see in the movies, and he was going to make following him incredibly popular, incredibly successful, and we line up with the hero Jesus, and we miss we miss this whole idea of the saint, I think again to go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching something radically different. The purpose of life is love. See, I think it's, I hope you hear me right, I think it's fair to say that Jesus is not a conventional hero. Um, Eugene, Eugene mentioned uh, Elijah on Wednesday night. I think in our heads, Elijah is, is the hero you have this story of, of of Elijah, on his own, facing four hundred and fifty prophets of this this uh, this God Baal, and and Elijah wins. He humiliates, he humiliates his enemies. He executes his enemies. He 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 defeats them, humiliates them, and and, he's, and here. He is. We we watch and look and watch this story. What a hero! And then we look, at, we get to Jesus and we ask, well, how does Jesus deal with his enemies? Here we have Elijah, the hero, and we see how he deals with his enemies. He humiliates them. He executes them. And he's the hero. Well, how does Jesus deal with his enemies? Completely different. Jesus deals with his enemies by the way of love. He deals with his enemies by way of forgiveness. And so this is where I want to spend just the last uh, few minutes is in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, let me read verse 51 to 56. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, "Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them?" And if you were to read this in the, let me just stop. Well, I'll read the last. But Jesus turned, rebuked them, and they went to another village. If you were to read this in the original, the original manuscript, it says that, "Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them?" just like Elijah did. So James and John were James and John were conditioned to see Elijah as this as the hero and thought that Jesus was going to come and operate in the same way. Jesus they've completely dismissed you. Jesus to hear what, what they're saying about you to hear what they want to do to you. Do you want me Will we call down fire from heaven the way Elijah did and destroy them all? Will we do that, Jesus? Is that what you want us to do? And Jesus rebukes them. Absolutely not. Guys, you've missed it again. I'm a different kind of kingdom. This is a different kind of kingdom that is at hand. And so what do we want to be? Who is it that we want to look like? Do we want to do we want to look like the hero, or do we want to be like the saint? See, Jesus saves the world not by shedding his enemy's blood, but by, in this act of beautiful surrender, his own blood is shed for his enemies. His own blood is shed as an act of redemptive love. And it seems that although we've been waiting and expecting for a hero, it's actually, we, we are witnessing, we are following the way of a saint, not a hero. Jesus saves the world not by shedding enemies' blood, but, but giving his life. Shedding his own blood for his enemies. It's completely back to front. And what looks incredibly weak, what looks incredibly naive, what looks like laying down and letting them do whatever you want is actually the most wonderful sign of strength. It's the wisdom of God made manifest. It's the power of God on display in this act of beautiful surrender. And so if I can, just finish off by reading on Luke chapter 9, verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And so in these three examples, I just want to finish off by by asking you, Will you surrender in these three areas? Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And Jesus reminds Jesus remains this first man just to let you know the son of man is nowhere to lay his head. And so I just feel as I, as I read through this last night I think there was three things that I felt the Lord just stir my heart with. That we will be a people that realize, count the cost, and realize that following Jesus means a surrendering of your comfort. See, I think we've been so conditioned to, to think discomfort is a sign that things aren't right. That things aren't going well. That we aren't in his will but actually Jesus has confirmed that if you want to follow me, it might get uncomfortable. You need to be able to lay down. You need to be able to surrender those things that you find so important. Those nights, those nights where all you want to do is lie up on the sofa, put a blanket over you and watch the movies, which is good, and I'm not saying not to do that. But you're willing to surrender that. You're willing to surrender some some form of of comfort. He said another man would follow me and the man said well okay but first of all let me go and bury my father. See a lot of of scholars that would uh, that would comment on these verses suggesting that this man's it's not that this man's father was just about to die it's not that he had died and and he had to go back and make arrangements for the funeral. This was a case of he wanted to go back and wait for what was rightfully his. He wanted to go back and wait for his inheritance. He wanted to go back and follow the traditions of of the responsibilities of the older son. His older son, who was responsible to go to to bury the father. There's a Jewish tradition that that and maybe. Maybe I'm overreading it, but there's, there's Jewish traditions that, that that most of these guys would have followed that say that after one year you went and buried the bones of, of your father it was the responsibility of the older son, and so he's wanting to go back and wait for his inheritance and follow on with the traditions that he has, that his generations have laid down before him. So That's what I would love to ask you. Would you be willing to surrender your priorities? Would you be willing to surrender your traditions for the sake of following Jesus? The second man and the third man, both of them say, but first let me do this. But first let me do this, Lord. And so the response of Jesus, it does seem quite harsh. I let me go back Jesus, let me go back and and I'll be able to get what's mine. Be able to do, be able to respect the, the, the death and the, the wishes of the traditions of my family. And Jesus says, Well let the dead bury their own dead. It's like, oh my goodness. Jesus, what are you doing? But Jesus is wanting to know, are you are you willing? Are you willing, will you surrender your priorities? Will you surrender having to wait about for that that paycheck or that inheritance? Will you will you surrender having to follow on the traditions just because it's something that your family have always followed on with? Will you be willing to surrender that? And then finally, he says to the third man, "I will follow you, but let me first go back and say goodbye to my family." The message version says that um, Jesus' response. To this third man is don't you can't put it off until tomorrow. Don't put it off until tomorrow. You can't put it off until you have everything worked out. You, what we want every I dotted and every T crossed, and then we'll follow you. Let us get our house in order. Let us let us let us finish our education. Let us. Whatever it needs whatever it is for you. We wait. We put it off until tomorrow and so I'm asking, I want to ask, will you surrender your timescale? Surrender your timescale. Lord I'll do it, but let me first get more education. God let me let me first get a wife. Gotta follow you, let me first start a family. And all of those things are wonderful. All of these things are great. Do all of those things. But don't present that, don't present that time scale before the Lord, before you're saying, I'll, I'll, I'll fully give myself to you when I'm married. I'll fully give myself to you when I've, when I've got my two children and we're more ready to settle down. Would you be willing to, to surrender your time scale See, I think for me, as I read through all three of these examples, I see myself in some ways in all three of them. Because we're always trying to find ways that it costs us nothing. I think that's how, that's how we're conditioned. Finding ways that it's going to cause us the least amount of pain. Finding ways that it's the least amount of resistance. Finding ways that it costs us nothing. Eugene said on Wednesday night, what you pay a price for sticks with you. So if, you a, if you haven't paid a price, you encounter the cost of following Jesus when when the troubles come, when the trials come, it'll not stick. What you pay a price for will stick with you. And so, will you pay a price in the area of needing to be comfortable? Will you pay a price in surrendering the the, the traditions and the priorities that you've been so accustomed to? Will you pay the price and surrender your own time scale that you've established and you've set up? And so, Lord, here it is. Here's what I want. Will you bless it? I'm trying to go with the completely opposite spirit. God, where is it that you're at work? And can I go and be a part of that? So I finish, I'm done. Surrender is surrender, and I hope we'll see next week as clear as we've ever seen it that surrender is beautiful. Surrender is power and might and strength on display. It's not weakness. And so maybe maybe we're I, I felt as we praying this this morning that day that maybe there's relationships that for some of us we have relationships that just need healed. And you're... Some people just need to give up the need for retaliation. They've done this to me so they deserve this in return. I think some just need to be able to give that up. And definitely some of us need to give up the need to have everything all worked out before we before we lay our lives down for Jesus. And so if that if one of those two things is really just resonates with you, whether it's a relationship that needs healed and it's not going to be healed while you wait. While you wait for them to get what they deserve wait for the punishment that warrants what they said or what they have done. I try to encourage you to be inspired by the story of Nate Saint and his family. And for some, give up the, the need of everything. Give up the need have everything all worked out before you follow after him, before you lay down your lives for the, that thing that you know that he's called you to. So let me pray and then um, the guys will come and close us out. Father, we uh, we trust you. We're here because we we acknowledge that you're good and that we trust, we can trust one who is so good, who is so faithful. And we can lay down our lives for one that we can trust. And so God, with you. Remind us today of how good you are. Would you remind us today of how how much we can put our trust in you. Would you help us and teach us and inspire us to continue to surrender. Continue to lay down our lives. To lose our lives so that we'll find it to give away so that we can gain. We love you, Jesus. We thank you.